0: Welcome to the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast... I'm Seb Lozier and this week we reflect on the latest chapter in the remarkable career of Novak Djokovic. You
1: know, I was a small boy in Koponik, you know, this mountain resort in the south of Serbia where nobody has ever touched the tennis racket probably before, me. And um, I did not have a tennis tradition in my family. I did have sport tradition. So it was uh, definitely a, a, a form of sign of, de- sign of destiny, you know, to, to start playing tennis and to um, aspire to be uh, as good as Pete and to surpass him with Grand Slam title is, I'm speechless.
0: It's now 15 majors and counting for the number one player in the world as he passed the great Pete Sampras. And he did it in emphatic style against his fiercest rival rafa nadal
1: it's amazing I mean, obviously back-to-back semi-finals and finals to i think make 15 unforced errors in total in two matches is is quite uh pleasantly surprising to myself as well uh, even though i i always believe i can play this way and kind of visualize myself playing the, this way but uh, you know at this at this level as i said and at, you know under the circumstances it was truly a, a perfect match this rivalry has been uh, my, the most significant rivalry, the, the one that impacted impacted me and as a, on a personal and professional level the most in my life. So, uh, yeah, his serve is, is improved, but at the same time, I you know I've also worked on my serve, and I think he has served me well, especially in the last couple of matches. And um, one thing is for sure, you know, we both are going to strive for improvement in the future regardless of uh, what's happening.
0: For some interesting context on Novak's achievements, we'll hear again from a relatively recent addition to the Djokovic team. We'll also hear from Australian Open semi-finalist Luca Pui and from some of the next-gen players who made a move up the rankings down under. After two weeks of gruelling tennis, arguably the most remarkable thing we saw in Melbourne was the total dominance Djokovic had in the final, against great rival Rafa Nadal. A bad day at the office for Nadal, perhaps. But talking with Novak's most recent recruit, analyst Craig O'Shaughnessy sheds extra light on the detail with which the world number one is now approaching the game.
2: You know, our sport has survived for so long by thinking that, you know, we, we see the match, we use our eyes, we evaluate it, we form opinions, we guess what is better... Um, but a lot of times when you look at the numbers and the brand new numbers that are coming into the sport right now, you get a completely different look on what really matters to winning and losing. And that's more the lens that I look at this with. I mean, some things are interesting, some are quirky, but it's like, okay, let's look at everyone that won. Let's every look at everyone that lost. What's the real difference in there? So that's, that's what I greatly enjoy doing. I don't have a maths degree. I have a journalism degree. So the, the math side is not the passion but it's all about understanding the patterns of play and you use the percentages to figure that out.
0: So you talk to me about patterns of play, I mean, what what do you mean by that?
2: Okay, so you've got four elements to a point. Serving, returning, rallying and approaching. So one of the patterns that you look at the serve and the first shot after the serve as one unit, and I call that a serve plus one pattern. So Nadal and Federer, especially those two guys, they hit a serve, When the ball is returned, they don't want to hit a backhand to start the point. They want to hit a forehand. The win percentages will be much higher. So, Nadal, you know, roughly around 78% of the time, he hits a serve and then a forehand. He wins 65% of those points. So, in order to understand baseline percentages, even if you win 50% of your baseline points, that's a good day at the office. It's not easy to to do a lot higher than that when Andy Murray won the US Open in 2012, he won 50% of his baseline points. When Roger won the Australian Open for the first time in a long time, just a couple of years ago, he actually won 48% of his baseline points. Serena Williams won 48%. So it usually tops out around 57%. Nadal, when he starts with a serve and a forehand at 64%, you just can't make it that high any other way. So these patterns apply. Is it better to serve out wide or down the tee? Is it better to hit a forehand or a backhand? Is it better to come to the net or stay back? The numbers show the patterns that work best, and yes, some players will be a little bit different, but there are certainly patterns of play that wash right through our sport
0: I know you've also got a bugbear about how players practice yes. compared to how they play, because there is quite a big discrepancy, isn't there, in how in how we, we you think about golf the same way. You know, we, us amateurs, we just assume we can we can turn up and hit you know straight off the tee without doing any practice. The same on the on the professional elite tennis court, yeah. a lot of these guys are practicing very different to how the game
2: actually pans out, of course. Yes, exactly. You know, traditionally. We're a sport where we, we head to the practice court, we work on our game, we hit a million balls, we think every time we touch the ball we're getting better with forehands and backhands, and then we go to the match and see what works. It's better to flip that. You go to the match, you analyze the match, you cut it up by the patterns of play, you see what's working for you, you see what's not, then you go to the practice court, and you have derivatives of the match you had 15 minutes of serving and serve plus one you have another 15 minutes of hitting a return and then the next shot Um, all these combinations all over the court so you make the practice court specific to the patterns of what happens in a match rather than just going to the practice court and saying okay i've got a one hour lesson i'm going to spend 15 minutes hitting forehands and backhands mindlessly endlessly over the net you know you know for these young kids all over the world You know, we're feeding them so many forehands and backhands, and yes, repetition is important, but what we're seeing is that points in a match are short. The zero to four rally length has more points in it at every level of our game than anything else. But when you look at the practice court and you say, okay, for one hour, for 50 minutes, we're hitting forehands and backhands, we're not hitting serves and returns. We throw the start of the point in at the end, and then players go, well, you know, I'm really good in practice, but I can't win a match. It's because you can't never get to the longer rallies. You're making so many errors at the initial stage of the of the point. What's the technology
0: that's enabling you to do this?
2: I use Dartfish. So it's um, Dartfish first came about at the Olympic Games. It has stro motion where you'll put one, you know, one skier next to the other skier. Um, it, it's stro motion. There's simple cam, but I use match tagging. So I'll watch, you know, this match tonight. I'll go over uh, Novak and I'll tag it so there's certain buttons that I have on the side and at the end of it I'll say I want to see every forehand winner. I want to see every serve out wide. I want to see um, every time Novak hit a backhand return and won the point. And that's the software that enables you to look at a match you know, in a different way. Normally we watch chronologically from start to finish but the patterns of play are separated by time, so we tend to forget about them. You know, the the people that are leaving this match right now, they're talking about all of the long points, but there were far more shorter points, and I'm sure Novak did better in that, and that's the big reason he won this match.
0: Miles McLagan's just joined us, hot footed it down
3: from the commentary box. Hi, Greg. How often do you find something that, that surprises you still? You know, you've looked at so many matches. Is it, is it occasionally something you go, whoa, I wasn't expecting that? Yeah,
2: it happens quite often, actually. Even at the moment, it's... I would say in the last couple of years, looking at the rally length, who wins those zero through four rally lengths? But even with Novak, I did uh, looked at his seven matches from the U.S. Open combined into one unit, and the number one uh, rally length, the number one point length that he's playing by far. And it's the same with all the two. It's it's a rally length of one. The serve goes in, it doesn't come back. Um, you know, and that's the same for all the, the, the twelve year under twelve and under girls and boys all over the world. It's the same for the recreational adults. We play more rallies of one shot than anything else but again our minds want to believe that you know those long rallies and Novak sliding and getting all those balls back we, we think the, the rallies are longer and we think that that's where we should put a lot of our emphasis and yes it's certainly some of it but if you win the short points you're going to win the match There is an element where I, I don't know how much you will talk about but I mean
3: w- we talked about Novak's his, the mental strength it's just I'm not sure I've seen it's got to be the the best. I'm not sure there's been a better tennis player in terms of the level of intensity
2: he can keep. Yes, and you know the mental toughness is is so good. He doesn't. You know one of the things that impresses me, and for all the young kids out there watching, record these matches and look at the patterns of play. And Novak, Roger, you know Andy, Stan, all these elite level players, they can do so many things on a court. They've got so many options with what they do. But what you'll notice is they stick to the same. Winning patterns. They try and not get too crazy and not go too much to secondary patterns. Stick with the high percentage patterns that will deliver, you know, more points um, as a win for your side of the court. And, and Novak very, very rarely will deviate and start getting loose with his game. I mean, that's a real discipline, isn't it?
3: you talk about young kids and and also when a player loses a bit of confidence, it's very easy to try and take that little shortcut and think, I can squeeze that up the line or I can just do something a little extra. Yeah, exactly
0: right. Scary question, perhaps, um, given what he's doing and what he's done, but do you believe Novak can still improve any parts of his game? Uh,
2: He has a lot of improvements still to do in his game, there's no question. The serving wasn't that great today, even though it's been Very, very good. Um, You know, what you're looking for is small gains all over the court, and it's a small gain with court position. You know, I was sitting right across, uh, you know, lower level here, right on the baseline, and there was a few times I'm like, move up, move up, just take a step up. Where he may have waited on that ball, and um, you know, when when I see that in the tape, I can isolate that, I can I can send that to him and show it to him. You know, this is an opportunity to take a step. You move up one step. The angles on the court are different. The spin can be a little bit different. And, um, you know, I, I think he's added the serve is better this year. And, and uh, getting to the net, he's smarter with how he's going in there. The forehand, I think, is a little bit better. The backhand's rock solid. But, um, you know, what Miles said, the mental side of the game, you know, we can all do better with that. And it's handling adversity You know, you've got to basically expect. And again, for all the young kids out there, every single match you play, there is going to be adversity. It's going to come early. It's going to come late. You know, don't ever think you're going to step out there for a match and it's not going to come. Think of it like a storm cloud. You know, the storm cloud's going to roll in. How long it stays around for is is up to you, and how big it becomes ultimately is up to you. But always expect the storm cloud to come. I was talking with
0: Marion in Paris um, after the semi-final win and, you know, he was admitting himself that he didn't expect this all to happen as quickly as it as it has done. I mean, given where he was in March, uh, are, you, are you surprised too?
2: Um, not really, no. I, I mean, he just... We, we had a plan, and that plan's ongoing. That's a daily plan of, of getting everything in place with the patterns of play, understanding his side of the court, understanding exactly what he does well. And, you know, I've worked with a few of these top-level guys, and we give them, I think we give them a little bit more credit with a, with how they think about the game than we than we should. I mean, you know, these guys are so incredibly gifted at striking a ball. But time and time again, it surprises me when, when we talk about patterns and play and talk about strategy that, you know, there's still a lot for them to learn. You know, it's difficult to be out there in a match and understand exactly what you're doing at every level. I mean, it's easier for us because we're looking down at the event, we're seeing and viewing the event. Whereas Novak and the players out there, they're looking out at the event, they're actually in it. And then they have the emotions involved in there. And you know, so many times a player will come off a court and you start talking to them and their version of what happened doesn't quite match with what I saw, which is why I record everything. And then we go over, it's like, well, here's, you know, they said my backhand was terrible today. I'm like, well, here's the four backhand errors that you made and they're actually all pretty good. So you know, video is a massive part of making sure that the relationship between the player and the coach is is based on the facts rather than the opinions of what we think is happening.
0: We're discussing a lot. Which of the younger guys, you know, we're talking Tsitsipas, Shapovalov, Hachov, who obviously Novak's had a good look at recently, and he practices quite a bit with him here. Which of these guys do you think is going to ultimately go the best?
2: Tough question. <laughs> Uh, Hatchinov, very impressive. You know, I think he's certainly risen. Um, he's tidied up his game. The forehand used to be out of pressure it. He drops the... You know, I, I think the technique is, is, is... You know, it's a difficult technique because he drop, drops the left hand so early. Um, th- there's a lot of movement in the racket face and the backswing, but he manages it well. TFO is another guy that has a big forehand that can get a little wild. You know, I, I think Alex Dimonor... The young Australian, you know, modelling himself in, in, in the image of Leighton Hewitt, you know, his wheels are something to be seen. Uh, Shapovalov, the lefty, you know, fantastic. So, I mean, sorry, he's a player that could, yes, that, that sh- you know, could probably benefit
3: with a little. Uh... Craig O'Shaughnessy,
2: right? <laughs> well, I am a lefty too. I mean, I I do. Want, yeah, but listen. I mean, it,
3: it seems to me his he's you talk about the, the, the shot striking. I mean, he's amazing and but it seemed a couple times when 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 the game wasn't on, he
2: didn't really have that plan or where to go to next. Yes, you are exactly right, Miles. Um disappointing shot selection is something that these young players are learning and they they spend so much time out there actually striking the ball and hitting the ball very very important. But come off the court and be a student of the game. Come off the court and use, you know, analysis tools to, to look at your errors and look at your winners. And, and, and certainly a huge deal is to understand the opponent. You know, for a lot of these guys, you know, you, you, you say even with Nova, you say, how many times have you walked off the court in the last 12 months and gone, I was ridiculous. I played great. I was so happy with my forehand and backhand. I served well. I wasn't nervous. I was very calm. My court position was good. It's a handful. I mean, nobody that I talk to ever says more than five out of five out of, say, 50 uh, for the entire year. So if your A game is not going to turn up 45 times out of 50, how do you win those matches? And it's by looking to the other side of the court and saying, I'm going to make you play your B game. I think these young players try and play great too often um, when it's just simply not going to be there. Look to the other side of the court, make the opponent play bad, take the W, move on.
0: Another player exploring all avenues to find improvement is Frenchman Lucas Puy, semi-finalist at the Australian Open, which was his first major tournament working with new coach Amélie Moresmo. He spent some time recently with ATP Tour Uncovered.
4: Hi, I'm Lucas Puy and this is how I became a pro. First I was playing, I was playing soccer and then... Uh, they were building a tennis, some tennis courts, a tennis club close to my house, and then a friend of our family asked if I wanted to try, and that's uh, that's how I tried, uh, that's how I hit my first ball. It's quite a long time ago now, but uh, I started practicing a lot in my club, playing uh, every single day, spending a, a lot of hours on the court. And... Uh, I realized I had potential i was uh I was better than my friends uh at least so uh, i i guess, uh, i had the natural feelings that the, the others don't have. I started to be uh at the federation around twelve years old. I left home I left my parents and my 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 brothers to go uh, practice there being away from your family is uh always tough but uh no at the end I was very happy to be there it was uh Three amazing years of my career. Uh, I have only great memories from there, so uh, yeah, I enjoyed being there in, in Poitiers. Between 15 and 18, I've been injured a lot and uh, couldn't really play the juniors' uh, tour, so once uh, I graduate, I start to have a, a lot of, uh, of results, and that's uh, where I realized I could be uh, yeah, a very good player. I think I have learned a lot of things, technically, tactically. We worked very hard and uh, that's where I learned how to work to, to become a professional player. I have a dream life, I think. I can't complain. Uh, the only thing I can complain is uh, packing every week, but uh, no, there was a, I'm enjoying the Every single minute on tour, people who are with me are great, uh, great, uh, great team. Uh, my girlfriend is always here with me, so I think that uh, being professional tennis player is just uh, a dream life. You're listening to
0: ATP Tennis Radio.
5: Hi, this is Thomas Johansson, and this is a story about my 2002 Australian Open final the day that I was going to play the final here in 2002 against Safin. You know, it was a lot of tension and thank God I had a good night's sleep. Uh, Great breakfast came out outside the hotel and we were going to wait for the car. The car had been on time every single day for like three weeks. And I think we ordered a car for like, I don't know if it was 10 or whatever. And then the car didn't show up and we were waiting and we were waiting and we were waiting. and then. My coach, he just like, looked at me and said, I actually forgot to order uh, you know, a car. The funny thing is that I actually came with a taxi. Normally, they, they don't let taxi cars in, inside the, you know, the venue. We came up to the, you know, to the security guy, and my coach said, "You know, we're actually going to play the final here in a couple of hours. So can you please let us in? And he was like, yeah, yeah, right. And then he said, you know, the, the guy in the back seat is actually playing the final in a couple of hours. It was a weird start to the whole thing. Uh, but in some way I think it, you know, uh, it was good for me because I got a little bit, I got relaxed after that. Uh, But we came here okay and, uh, you know, we did a warm-up and a preparation and everything, so
0: in the end it was good. Australia also provided the stage for some of the game's brightest young stars to break through, as Gabriel Clark reports. The next gen, with a talk of the town in Melbourne, as five players from the 21 and under club achieved career bests at the Australian Open.
5: I'm obviously uh, playing some great
4: tennis. I'm very proud with uh, where I am today.
6: Yeah, hopefully I can break the top 100 sometimes soon.
4: I feel like my game has reached that next level. I feel very solid as a player now. To be able to get all these wins under my belt It's uh, definitely helps a lot it's great to have two players
6: the same age and who grew up together it's
5: been an unbelievable year and i'm just trying to focus on myself on going out there on court
6: and competing and having fun
4: off season was great i'm working with uh, with rob steckley now a new coach i feel like we really put in a lot of good work
6: i love playing in these big stadiums massive crowds. You want the players in the locker room to know you as that kid
5: that will compete until the end. So I'm just going to keep on doing that every single time I step out on court.
4: I want to be a star, I want to be one of the Rodgers or Rafas.
5: Leave it all out there, that's a bare minimum.
6: Just stay focused just to keep concentrated.
4: Do everything I can in my powers to be the perfect role model. I'm really looking forward to just having fun, going out there and just
0: competing. Shapovalov, Popperin, and Dumanor were knocked out in round three, but Francis TFO and Stefano Sitsipas advanced to week two, defeating Grigor
7: Dimitrov and Roger Federer.
6: Again, you know, I've said in interviews before, you know, I feel like I have a chance against anyone when I step on the court. I like the daily challenge of showing my best attitude, my best game. You know, I love playing in in big stages. The satisfaction of victory. Whether or not I get to win or not, it's irrelevant. Knowing that I'm going to get better and better. Now I just kind of thrive for those moments. I want those moments. Always surprising people with what I can do. (laughs) Had a good year definitely gives me some confidence. I'm really excited for 2019. I had a great year last year, so obviously, you know, you grow confidence from that and, you know, I always play a good match and I'll, I'll usually put myself in position to win the match. I think 2019 is going to be exciting. Yeah, we're all doing great things, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I can't wait for what it has to offer.
0: Grand Slam semi-final, along with a Masters event victory and qualification for the NITO ATP finals were the goals Stefanos Tsitsipas set himself for 2019. But having already achieved one of them, many are now wondering if the Greek should set his sights even higher. Win or lose, his father and coach Apostolos will be there every step of the way, as Jill Krabus discovered recently for ATP Tennis Radio.
7: It's like the play with the history of tennis. (laughs) so and uh, but but, I believe you know one match is just one match. Uh, it helps you it helps you to to improve it helps you to settle some things in your mind, but it 's not the most important in your career for me the best the most important in your career is to play good tennis to and to be happy about yourself it 's very difficult, of course, of course, you you have to talk to the player to tell him that you don 't think against whom you play, you just play the, the play the game, play the ball, play. Play your tactics, play your game, but uh, you know this is the way we usually the players try to proceed in this kind of uh, game, but I believe that uh, the players themselves you know when they're going out there in the court and they decide to follow the tour and at this level Sevens now is uh, top twenty uh, I think they're ready to fight they're ready to to proceed they're ready to go to the to the top. so they have this uh, in, initial ability let's say inside them. Uh, Initial power, so you don't need to speak so much about it. (laughs) They're fighters, you know, the one who's out there in the courts and uh, holding the racket and uh, staying like a couple of hours in the court, they're big fighters, all of them.
8: And I just want to ask you um, because he's had such great success this past year and he's really just risen up the rankings. Were there certain things that you focused on last year? That, like t- a couple, two or three certain things that you focused on last year to get to him to this spot where he is now?
7: Yes. Uh, yes, he focused uh, in, t- t- in the physical part. He worked a lot with physically, b- but I can say, not a lot, I can say he did uh, he, the right things uh, with his fitness coach, Mr. Lefebvre. And, uh, and uh, Muratul Academy organized a, a kind of um, program around him that uh, to, to, to drive his, his mind to the top. So it's very smart from Patrick Muradoglu, and uh, I'm really happy that he's in this kind of group of people and uh, which they're already champions. They achieve a lot of things in their life and uh, in, with, their, with their, let's say, programs. And uh, it works good for Stefanos, actually, right now.
8: What really impresses me about Stefanos is, of course, not only his tennis game, but the way he carries and handles himself off the court how much you mentioned Patrick on the mental side how much do you help him with that mental side as well
7: hopefully hopefully I'm successful in this uh, definitely it's very very important uh, for me the most important is that, that he, he's good out of the tennis court that's that is successful as a father. Good,
8: father. as you mean happy, and yes, mm, yeah. that's
7: successful. That, that's that's. If I I don't want to talk about my success as a tennis coach as a mental trainer, I want to talk my success as a father. If I'm successful as a father and my family are, are happy, my child is happy, uh, then then I'm I'm really happy myself, because this is my role in life. I'm a father. <laughs> you know, as a tennis coach, okay, you know, I, I know some, I, I have some education about tennis. I have some experience about tennis coaching, but it doesn't mean anything. I cannot uh, provide someone with this information and he will become a champion. But if uh, if I if I manage to, to, to bring out his, his uh, let's say, what he has, if I take out the racket, if I take out uh, the tennis skills, if I take out his, and what it's left, that's important from one uh, human being, from one athlete. This one you have to, to help to take the shape, the beautiful shape. And I believe, I believe in this field. I'm happy because Stefanos is a very humble boy. He likes he likes the people. He likes uh, he li- he, he's, a, he's kind with with his with the other players. He's kind with his fans. He's kind he's kind with the small children. He's kind with his parents. And it's very nice to see that from your child.
8: I mean, I think it comes across extremely well. I think a lot of people see that. I mean, he's getting a lot more exposure exposure now, so you can see that coming through. And I know you're also a big part of a lot of stuff that he's doing off the court. He's got his own podcast now. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about that. How did that come about? Or was that his idea?
7: Yes. He likes, he likes to expose his ideas. Uh, he likes to invite some people. He likes to, to see if he can, uh, he, can, uh, he can copy something about, about his life in, in, in the tapes to have it as a memory. Because sometimes he's telling me, you know, the life is going. And I want to have these this memories, I live so intensively and I want to have them somewhere, in the tapes. <laughs> he says, this is for me the most important for... F- uh, when we talk about technology, that, that's for that reason it's good, at technology. That's, I think it's the smart way because uh, when, when he captures his photos, his trips, his, it's his life. He says, this is my life now. I need to remember one day what, what I did. And I need to, if I can help some people with what I do, I'll be very very happy. He
8: and also, I I, uh, I read recently that he took a trip on his own to try and learn about himself yes. a little bit more. Was that did, was that a suggestion from you or?
7: When he went, uh, mm, Or was that him as well? No, he decided himself. He says, I want to stay alone, and he visited some islands. He spent. 10 days there he was just by himself and he was very very happy and uh, he, when he came back I asked him what I told him, how was the trip and he says I didn't know he says that there are so many things to learn about yourself
8: <laughs> so can you give us any insight of what he learned or? Uh,
4: I don't know You didn't
7: tell
8: you he didn't tell, he, me didn't tell- <laughs> he keeps it to himself there are so
7: many things I didn't know about me Wow! So I get know myself much better now, and uh, and that's very happy to hear from young people because that's at the end is this is a, the thing because we were talking about the other people, we're involving with the other people who don't know about ourselves.
8: And so, and so <laughs> after he took that trip, he didn't reveal reveal anything, but did you notice a difference in his tennis when he came back from that trip?
7: Yes, that trip after that, the after this trip, he started his the way up. It was very very certain and very, uh, very um, let's say very much uh, focus, uh, very much uh, disease, very much he was much happier, I, I saw it he was ha- much happier, I think he decided that that's the meaning of my life my tennis, because maybe until this moment he wasn't 100% sure that he did make the right choice in my life it, it's really something that is inside me, he ma- makes me full and probably these 10 days mm-hmm. thought about it and missed it and he said okay now I have to go for it
8: and now, just going back to the the tennis a little bit as your as his coach what what's the goal for him?
7: the goal uh, is to come in to be healthy and play good tennis that's the goal.
8: he's played a lot of matches
7: yes, he will a lot of matches uh, to be healthy to be fresh as much as he can, and play his best tennis, and hopefully he will enjoy it yeah, and having young guys are coming behind from behind so it's so beautiful to see it. It's so beautiful. So it means that this, this sport, it's alive. It's evolved. So it's beautiful. And all these all these top guys, like I start from uh, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic. They're such a lovely guys, all of them. They they brought the tennis in such a beautiful, let's say, level. It's so beautiful to, to be part of it, you know. Well, Our I thoughts?
8: I just want to make one last comment because you've mentioned Nadal, Federer. Um Djokovic, all being such great mentors, and, and many other guys, and many other guys, a, of course. Up, yes. And I, 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 feel like S- Stefanos is going to be one of those mentors for those young kids coming up later. Exactly, yeah. that's, that's
7: going to be the best actually yeah. to be a mentor of someone and to 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 help other kids uh, with uh, to how how is the word to to love to the influence them, yeah, yeah. To, influence yeah. The, to influence them to play, yeah. the, to, to, yeah. to, to play tennis because it's very very tough. Yeah, for the young kids probably. This kind of uh, people, they can be really, they play the most important role in their life to continue tennis.
8: Very well said. Thank you so much for joining us on ATP Tennis Radio. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Apostolos Sitzipas, talking with our reporter, Jill Krabus. And Jill will be in Indian Wells in a few weeks' time as ATP Tennis Radio brings you live coverage from the first Masters 1000 of the year. That's it for this week's ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Our thanks to Craig O'Shaughnessy, Luca Pui, Thomas Johansson, Apostolos Tsitsipas and all of those next-gen stars of the future. Join us next week for more exclusive interviews as we look ahead to the ATP 500 events in Rotterdam, Rio, Acapulco and Dubai. Remember, you can now listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and on atptour.com. Let us know what you think on Twitter at atptennisradio.com. And if you're on iTunes, take a moment to review the podcast. You never know, we might even read it out on next week's show. Until then, enjoy the tennis.